Testing, testing. Please tell me there's not too much background noise. That sounds good. Are the three of us? Uh, is my background? Are the three of us back today? My background noise, okay? Yeah, it's, well, Scott's still on a yacht, half drunk. I'm back, and uh, you're back as well from from spending time with the kids. Yeah. I'm back. Oh, okay. I detached so much. I detached so much that I got. Uh, I I went on vacation on Wednesday with my phone fully charged, and I got back yesterday without ever plugging my phone in. Still, still alive. Pretty impressive feat for me. Can you tell us? I don't even know if we did shows last week. I know we didn't on Wednesday or Thursday. That was the first time Crazy. I really had no idea what was going on. Missed, we missed, I felt so bad. We missed three, because my flight to Costa Rica is, I couldn't say no to them because I promised them many months ago and I tried to say no, it didn't work. Um, it was also worth it. It was an incredible event, much bigger than I expected. But uh, it was one of the worst experiences in my life. It was a 25-hour flight one way, 25-hour flight. And that's the shortest flight from Dubai to Costa Rica, nothing direct. It was one of the worst. And one flight didn't have internet. None of us knew. So for 12 hours, I didn't have internet. Uh, Sam Altman decides to be fired while I'm on a plane. So I have to get my team. To... It was one of the most horrendous experiences. So I, I feel bad as hell for not being able to do a show. I did one. I was so, I was so surprised. I was so surprised, Mario, that you didn't spin up a spaces. I've never seen it. Like I thought... As soon as I heard about it, we did, we did, but we were late. No, we did, we were late though. We were late to the game because, um, yeah, we missed it because, yeah, again, I was on a flight and the team did it, couldn't spot it. I didn't know how major it is. Um, so it was a slip up, but we did a space, but we were just late. We had Sam Altman's sister come on. We had uh, the TED founder come on. We had some executive from uh, OpenAI come on, I think one or two. I wasn't hosting it, I was, like, it was run on my account, but the team was moderating it. Um, but yeah, we did a space just a bit late. I know, I know it's disappointing. So, I mean, I know we're talking today about uh, Millet's win and the Fidelity eyes, the ETH ETF, but I'm going to make a suggestion that after what's happened uh, this weekend, we should actually maybe talk a little bit more about um, AI and crypto because I think that, I think there were two events this weekend which were turning points for crypto. The first one, obviously, was Millet's win. That's a turning point, but, you know, it's still Argentina. It's not China, US, Russia, India. It's, it's Argentina. And yes, they've got a, a very liberal um, uh, pro-Bitcoin president who really understands Bitcoin. But I think the bigger turning point was what happened at OpenAI. Let me, let me preface it and then tell me if you think that it's worth actually discussing. So I think what we realized with what happened with OpenAI, and now you've got Sam Altman and his whole team actually joining Microsoft. Um, and remember that one of the things that Microsoft wanted to do was they wanted to buy OpenAI. And they couldn't buy it. So they did this like fancy deal, which was almost like buying it, but not exactly like buying it. Um, it, it, it basically took the, the charter and uh, worked around the charter to create a scenario where it, they almost bought it, but, but legally on paper, they didn't actually buy it. Now, what we realized this week is, what we realized uh, now is that Microsoft now has Sam Altman and the entire uh, open AI team at their disposal, and uh, as Balaji tweeted, you know, basically, I, I, actually, I, I want to quickly read you the tweet so that I don't misquote the tweet, but because I, I think the tweet's quite profound. He says that um, Sam and Greg and colleagues joining Microsoft, that'll be the shadow company. They'll now recruit all the talent from OpenAI. They launch a Bing AI or spin it out as a separate company. Then Microsoft could make cut ties and compute with OpenAI. What you'll also remember is you'll remember that Elon Musk had a huge concern when this Microsoft deal happened. And he said that the, the, the scariest thing that can actually happen 
is that uh, AI will fall into the hands of the corporations who are effectively controlled by the governments. The you know like the Googles and the, and the Microsoft. Elon warned about this, and he was he seemed quite petrified about it when this deal actually happened. Now we're seeing that these guys have actually much more control around AI. Now here's my concern, and this is probably something that we can discuss if you guys are, are happy. So my concern is that AI to me is probably as valuable, if not more valuable than, than money. I think that AI is a, is a resource, it's a commodity, and we cannot let the same mistakes that happened in our money system happen to our AI system. And so I think that up until this weekend, I really struggled to find a use case for AI and crypto. I kind of, I kind of kept saying, look, crypto is slow, it's expensive, AI is, is, AI is fast and it needs to be very cheap and the computing power needs to be cheap. However, what we've now realized is that we cannot risk the same thing that happened to money to happen to AI. And there is a space for AI decentralization. And I think that that's maybe, I think that that was a big, big, big turning point for a new use case for crypto, which to be honest, I was part of the naysaying crew that said, you know, AI is cool, but it's not, not really for crypto just yet. And now I've completely changed. I said, hold on, what we saw now, what we saw now makes it so important that we actually maybe uh, look at having AI in the early days, actually on um, on the uh, 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 in the decentralized world. So I'm going to put it out there in case uh, in case we want to have that discussion. Uh, otherwise, happy to talk about uh, uh, the ETF. No, it's a good discussion, uh, Ryan. Ryan, the good discussion now to it that Worldcoin's price action kind of highlights exactly the point you're making. I think it went up by like nine, ten percent in 24 hours after the saga with Altman. So I think your points are pretty valid, and I think it highlights the importance. At such an early stage, it highlights the importance for decentralizing AI. Um, so I think it's, I've even changed the title to add it in first as one of the first points we should cover. I think it's more more important than Fidelity and the Ethereum ETF, which we talked about last week. And uh, Millet's win is pretty cool, but I think nothing too major. It is Argentina. Um, but I, I think it's a very valid point for the uh, for the panel to get their thoughts. Um, yeah, so I, I'm with you on that one. Uh, but for the panel, you just jump in, guys, or Scott, just jump in. Give us your thoughts on whether this is a good thing for decentralizing uh, various aspects of AI, especially data ownership, or whether we're getting ahead of ourselves. I think it's the coolest thing to happen. Yeah, I mean, this is this is unbelievable, right? So first of all, we're watching something happen in real time. I and mean, watching Balaji enjoy it is probably the best way to get the angle of, you know, sort of what's happening. But... Watching it in real time is just unbelievable. You know, the way that Microsoft has pulled this um, very agile snipe off, you know, a poach that like you had all these deceleration guys saying, you know, we, we're in control. Let's let's do what we need to do. And everything's just sort of happening around them. Um, and it's really neat to watch. And of course, I also instantly sort of, sort of thought, you know, how is this being decentralized? And I think there are some tokens out there. Um, but I'm really interested to learn more. I think that's that's really cool. Like how 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 to decentralize the the data that's out there and the control of the models and and to sell models and data, um, you know, peer to peer. It's all just really important. Jumping in, by the way, guys, try to get Vinny to come on as well, Ryan. I just messaged him. Uh, he'd be great for this yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, look, so I think one of the things, and I, I, I'm going to be full, full, full disclosure. We did discuss this token. Um, a long time ago, not a long time ago, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I remember Scott saying, I have no idea what this token is. It's a token called BitTenza or Tau. 
Um, and if you go and look at what, what BitTensor or Tau is, it's modeled very much around the Bitcoin proof of work algorithm with 21 million coins, but it allows for AI subnets, which effectively allow for AI applications to be all built under one ecosystem with one token. And they've already got like a mid-journey competitor and they've got a chat GPT competitor and they've got all of these competitors that actually run, um, they actually run uh, on decentralized networks. And when you actually use them and you see how well they work, you're like, you say, hold on, you can actually do this in a decentralized fashion, which is, which is almost incredible. The, the, the shortfalls in decentralizing it, usually generally is, is generally efficiency, speed, how effective it is. How would you compare them to the centralized alternatives? Look, I think that I think that in the short term, until we optimize and until we learn, um, we'll be stuck with a Bitcoin or an Ethereum. But I think as we progress, we're going to land up with a Solana, where you know you can pretty much say Solana is fast is as fast as Visa or Mastercard or or any other uh, players. So I think we've got to start somewhere. Um, but again, I think this weekend was the turning point, and I'm just not sure how many people actually grasped how important this turning point actually is. I, you know, I, I woke up and I thought to myself, hold on a second. This is much more, AI is much more important than money. And we are witnessing AI land up in the hands of Google and Microsoft. Do you want AI? I now understood what Elon Musk was panicking about. I understood what he was panicking about having seen this. And he was 100% right. I mean, they also stole it from him, right? <laughs> he invested effectively in a not-for-profit that just magically became a massive for-profit business. So I would think that he has a pretty good bone to pick there as well. Yeah, he was very, he was, he was very concerned about it at the time. Actually, I'm going to play you something. If you just give me one second, I've got a, a very good uh, clip of Elon, um, which was taken when this thing actually happened. Um, uh, look, I, uh, by the way, I did do a full show on this. I'm not going to repeat the whole thing. I did a whole show on it today. If you guys want to listen to it, just go to my YouTube. You, can, you guys can do it. That's my mandatory show. But hold on. I'm trying to ch change my sound setting for my computer so that you guys can can hear it. Um, I, wanted, I want you just to hear what Elon said. While, while you're doing that, and while you're doing that, Ryan, just play it when it starts. But I'm just looking at different coins, AI, crypto AI coins. You know, Bit 10, so Tau is up 4.2% after a 77% rally over the last week. You got Ocean, Fetch AI, FET, and Singularity Net. I know these guys up sixteen percent in twenty four hours. Um, so it's uh, yeah, we've, seen that. we've seen these cycles, so like the narrative cycles, so many times. I give them zero price action no, no. determines nothing about the, yeah. Travis, while well, well, Rand, if you don't have that up, Travis was about to comment as well. Yeah, go for go for it. I'll I'll find it. Give us. A I, I was going to say I still can't really tell what exactly happened over the weekend. I mean, I've been like following the news pretty closely, but I, I woke up this morning and saw a couple updates from overnight, saw the letter, you know, 500 and something employees out of 700 threatening to uh, leave, but might to go to Microsoft, but might stay if they replace the board. And, you know, there's a list of people that signed it. But I, I think for me specifically, uh, I can't tell what how Ilya feels about it and I, I i have a tendency to like want to know like specifically it seems to me like at first he was sort of like a central part of sam of pushing sam out and is now a, a part of this like pseudo coup that they're doing and i don't know if anybody else is following it closely enough to feel like they know 
with confidence, like what is going on, but I just, I can't tell. And, and specifically with Ilya, cause I, I have a tendency to like trust, you know, out of the, like, <laughs> a, you know, enormous personality mega billionaires that are in this world. My tendency is to trust Elon more than most any of the other ones. And Elon seems to think very highly of Ilya. So, you know, when I got, you know, I think when Ilya was like potentially sounding the alarm bells about something that Sam was doing, that was very concerning. But now it seems to have reversed. And I, I don't know, I just can't tell what it, what is actually happening. Yeah, I tried to catch up on it as well because I was obviously gone and it's it was very, very confusing to me. I can't really find the story there. Go ahead, Mario. Sorry. You know, everyone's confused. Like I had, uh, you know, I had, you know, from family members to executives come on the show when we covered it. Now, that was before the, the, um, the, 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 I think the president, whoever his name is, uh, left as well in support of Altman. So that was hours after Altman was fired. And, um, I, you know, no one behind the scenes, because obviously a lot of speakers tell me things behind the scenes that they don't want to share on stage. There's no scoops. Uh, everyone's as confused as, as we are. Um, but it kind of links to, but the, 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 the crux of it is that so, like, if we're seeing those issues so early on, like some, some legitimate questions were being asked. I don't have the concerns. I don't share them, but they're valid concerns nonetheless. But like, you know, what information does Altman have that the board doesn't have? Does he have a kill switch? Like they just have that level of power within a small central group. Um, if we're seeing those, th those power struggles at such an early stage, imagine when AI starts to play a much bigger role in our society. I think that concern should hopefully be taken more seriously, and that's a good thing for decentralized AI. That's my two cents. And obviously, the market has got... I know you yeah, but quickly, like back to the AI and crypto part, I understand that there are these projects that are working on this, but the amount of compute used to power open AI is just astounding, right? How does that possibly work on a blockchain or, or decentralized? You asked the question before, you know, comparably how fast effective are these platforms? I literally have no idea. But even today, open AI was down for hours. You couldn't log in, you know, and, and obviously I think that they're a larger team with a more backing and power yeah, than, you, than these others. But, How does that work? But that's the that's the same question we were asking years ago about other applications of, of crypto. And obviously a solution was eventually found. Now I'm not technical enough to answer this. Um is it possible? I don't know. Maybe someone else on stage. Let me see who's on stage. Uh, Maddie's on stage. Matty, Matty um, oh perfect. Yeah, Maddie or anyone else that can touch on the like what aspects of AI can we decentralize? Because obviously it's just very sexy to say decentralize this, decentralize that, but is it is it practical? <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, and before I comment on that, I, I did want to say, you know, don't don't discount Argentina that quickly. Um, they are, you know, they believe the twenty largest economy in the world, so much I bigger agree. than El Salvador. And um, I agree. It, 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 it's, I don't think it's correct to call Millet pro Bitcoin. He's more pro dollar. Um, but Argentina already has huge adoption rates in crypto. I think it's more than one third of the people are using it on a daily basis. So. Um, if they do start going the route of Bitcoin, uh, that will fulfill my prediction uh, of nation states adopting Bitcoin, adding it to their balance sheets uh, within the next few months, uh, as I've stated a few times already. Um, but AI yeah. and crypto is pretty interesting. Uh, Matty, Matty, before we get into AI and crypto, yeah. just why do you say, he, I, I know he is pro-dollar, but I think he's also very much pro-Bitcoin. I think I remember there was the one interview where he broke down and he said that uh, Central banks and money as a mechanism that governments use to rob the people. Inflation is a, a tax and a robbery. 
Bitcoin is uh, pr like privatizing money. Money should be in the hand of private uh, of private companies or something. So I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure he is pro US dollar, but I think he's very, very much pro Bitcoin. No. Um, yeah, and, and several people have already jumped on me with that with that same interview. Um, and Alex Kruger, I think you all know him as well. He's actually from Argentina, so probably has uh, more right to speak to this matter than me. And he he agrees with me that. Um, Millet is not a pro Bitcoin necessarily. He has spoken about Bitcoin in a positive light, but he's never like given an endorsement and said, "Yeah, we're going to make you know Argentina a Bitcoin nation or something." He's not. He's he's oh, not yeah. Bukele, like everybody is trying to make him out to be. Um, he's not. He's not El Salvador. He's not. He's not. Uh, he's not the president of El Salvador. He's definitely going to ditch the peso, and he's definitely going to dismantle the central bank, which. Those two things are wins in my book. Yeah. So he's but, awesome. uh, yeah, he's going to do. He, but listen, and uh, and I think it's a bold, uh, noble effort. But he's going to he's going to destroy their central bank in favor of ours, right? So dollarizing, yeah. you can call central banks a scam, but if you're going to dollarize, then you're just ha uh, pegging yourself to the a better central bank, quote unquote, the United States, and getting rid of their own. And the amount of debt that's going to have to be cleared and what's going to happen uh, in the process of making that is going to be very, very, very painful for for Argentinians. But uh, and to your point, and he's, to the US, I believe he understands he understands Bitcoin, but there are plenty of people out there with bad takes that he's going to make it legal tender like El Salvador, and that's not something that he's ever said. But clearly, having someone who understands it is a massive benefit. I think this is one of those things where it's a step in the right direction, but we have no idea what's going to happen when he actually gets into power, right? I mean, we've seen politicians many times get elected with hyperbolic, massive statements about things they're going to do, and then the reality of doing the actual job hits, uh, and it can be wildly unpopular to actually get to, to that place. But uh, yeah, I, I do think that uh, it certainly can't be a bad thing for Bitcoin here. Maybe the bigger story is that Argentini Argentina, Bitcoin, and particularly Tether, if we're being honest, are, are very, very popular assets there because of their hyperinflation. And the Argentinian government was actually moving towards a very pro-Bitcoin stance. And if you guys remember, their politicians started talking about it. And the IMF very quickly came in and said, you know, that loan you guys wanted, you're not getting that loan if you don't stop talking about Bitcoin, basically, right? Something that we've seen the World Bank and the IMF do quite a few times. So maybe the bigger story here is that you just have someone who uh, you don't have an anti-Bitcoin stance anymore in Argentina where in a country where it's very popular and not to be as concerned as what he may do for Bitcoin because that can take a very, very long time. Yeah, I agree 100% with everything you've just said. We, we don't know how it's going to play out, but as the meme goes, this is good for Bitcoin. Um, so, yeah. Well, can we just maybe just quickly take stock and just say which other presidents have shown such a good understanding? Presidents, not presidents, elects have shown such a good understanding uh, of Bitcoin and have actually said that many positive things. So obviously, Nayib Bukele said that. Um, now we've got Javier Millet. Is there any other president in the world that has been so bullish on Bitcoin? I mean, we obviously didn't expect him to just adopt Bitcoin and say, I'm adopting Bitcoin. But how many presidents have spoken so bullishly about Bitcoin? I think the Gantanga is pretty active on, on spaces, but you know what's the population over there? To be honest, and uh, Central uh, Central African Republic. African Republic. Yeah. So I think that's that makes three. But um, I, you know, as as I've been saying for 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 quite a while now, I mean, 2013 there was was early adopters. 2017 was retail. 21 institutional. Uh, 2024, 25. 
I mean, that's going to be nation state FOMO. Uh, that's going to be, I think, you know, uh, the biggest uh, Bitcoin bull, uh, bull market we've, we've ever seen uh, by far. Yeah, I think I, I mean I don't know if, if I, I don't know if I agree with your timings, but I definitely agree with your with your thesis. Um, I've got that I've got the AI video, so I think maybe let's pivot into the AI discussion. And I just want to play what Elon said. Um, maybe more in control. So I'm going to see if I can just play for you guys. Uh, okay, so uh, Microsoft actually maybe more in control than say the leadership team at OpenAI realizes. Um, and Microsoft, ha as part of the Microsoft's investment, they have uh, rights to all of the software, all of the model weights, and everything necessary to run the inference system. So that was what Elon said, and he, I mean, he was when he said that you can see that you could see the concern on his face. And this was this happened when they did the Open AI deal with when Microsoft did the Open AI deal. So just yeah, I don't I don't know if, uh, if if it gives you guys anything. What did he say exactly? It was a bit hard. Yeah, what did he say, Ryan? Is Ryan there? Can anyone hear me? More in control. Than I hear you. Let me try. Uh, while waiting for this, uh, just so going back to the Argentine. Um, uh, Microsoft actually may be more in control than, say, the leadership team at OpenAI realizes. Um, Microsoft, ha as part of the Microsoft's investment, they have uh, rights to all of the software, all of the model weights, and everything necessary to run the inference system. Basically, they get set, you know, the delegates everything. Yeah. The, the centralization of, of, of power within Microsoft as a concern. Um, but is it I, mean, I, will the, say, the I will say that does seem in line with the way Satya is acting because he's acting like it, it, they can just pick the company up and like put it inside of Microsoft. And like he didn't seem that worried about that as an outcome, which I would say kind of lines up with with that clip. Yeah, Tom. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, just to circle back uh, to your earlier point and extend it a bit. So how does crypto come into play here and what part of the stacks can we actually decentralize and why are they useful? I just sent out a tweet about like each piece of the puzzle we can decentralize. Starts with decentralizing storage, then decentralizing the processing layer, then decentralizing the layer where you tune and train the models, which is what Elon was talking about there, and then actually deploying them and having access to them for third-party end users. And there's a piece, an investable piece, at each one of these areas on the stack. So you've heard a lot of these names like Akash and uh, BitTensor and you know Filecoin down at the sort of base layer. But each one of these pieces can really be decentralized. It's just actually giving folks access, getting um, you know more partners on board. And I think the biggest challenge for me is you know, there are better solutions on the blockchain today and they're developing because of their cost advantages, their speed advantages, their access to um, better technology because they're surfacing across a network of computers versus just a silo. But you're competing against these marketing giants and these, these juggernauts in Microsoft and Google. And that's the biggest piece of the puzzle to overcome, right? Like Akash or, or Render or someone trying to compete, um, you know, to, to get users versus uh, Microsoft or Google is just a huge battle. So I really think it's going to play into the marketing side and actually try to get folks, new folks on these platforms. Yeah, I agree with that. I remember however many months ago we were talking about this, probably this summer, we're talking about like the inter intersection of AI and crypto. And uh, Scott, I think you and I were both on the same page that I felt like when people were painting this picture 
of using decentralization, using crypto, using blockchain for various different intersections with AI that you were you had to assume a level of execution from a crypto platform that we have never seen before, which I think is what I just heard Tom say as well, too. At least that's the way I extrapolated it, which is just like we've yeah, that, that was sort of a, yeah, a more eloquent, yeah. Way of, eloquent way of saying what I was saying before, which is just like I haven't seen it ready for prime time yet. I mean, if, if OpenAI struggles with uh, staying online, I can't imagine a blockchain based competitor is not going to have major tech issues trying to scale for mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. Tremendously complicated, hard to execute, hard to bring the market type of business. And then like to think that you can just, you know, inject crypto and blockchain into that and then actually pull off what you think you, you want to try and pull off. That, that strikes me as a very long putt. Now, I mean, I think these things are going to pump. Like it's like, you know, I think, I think the market has not, I don't see any particular reason to think that the market has like learned its lesson and is not interested in buying coins that end up having an association with a specific narrative, even if when you dig down just even marginally deeper than surface level, you'll see an inability for that project to actually execute on this thing. But people still, you know, They'll just buy it because it's it's oh that's the AI or simply a narrative pivot. It's gonna, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. We were doing this in in 2017 when I when I started when I very first started doing crypto. We were doing the same shit. Yeah, and they were doing it in real in quote unquote real markets as well, right? I mean, Long Island blockchain ICT, right? So same thing. We saw every 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 project in crypto at some point pivoted to a DeFi platform and then pivoted to an NFT platform, and uh, you know, just following following and chasing the narrative. I I'll be very surprised to, to personally if any of the current coins that are pumping as a result of AI hype or metaverse hype or whatever are actually the winners in that space when there's meaningful adoption. Right. I just, I, I very seriously, and that's not uh, that's not I, a slight against them. I agree, but you could have said that about Bitcoin at, you could have said that about Bitcoin at 10 or 20 or $30 as well. So, you know, as an investor, you're taking a, you're taking a bet on what you think may happen using all the information that you have. So, like, of course, it's just sort of the same, you know, the idea that uh, when people, I'm sure, Rand, you get the same answer. Like when someone says, hey, what coin do you think is going to be the winner of the next cycle? And the most likely honest answer is something you guys haven't heard of yet. Right. Uh, Rand, Rand, like it's Rand, always something. Br- uh, Rand, I think you bring up a good point. I, I, I would argue that Bitcoin succeeded in spite of a lack of execution like it's like when you think about the the origin stories of bitcoin you know there never was a corporation there never was a management team there never was a product there never was that much of a roadmap i mean it's you know i mean bitcoin is famous for i'm going to you know i'm going to hardly ever upgrading anything ever and staying exactly the same and that it's just the original idea was so groundbreaking that that's what's carried it to um, the success that it's had in the backdrop of, you know, enormous money printing, which has obviously been, you know, I think the crucial factor in Bitcoin success. 
So I want to just, I want to just, um, again, I, I'm very, very, very sensitive of shilling tokens specifically when I'm invested in them. And, and I'm not shilling you a token. I'm just shilling you a mindset and I am invested in this token. But, and the reason why I invested in the token is if I look at, at um, the Tau BitTensor token, why I like it so much is because it works on the same foundations as, as Bitcoin and that is, it is a, no, there's no VCs. It's a. It, there's no pre-mine. There's no. It's a. It's a, a full fair, fair, uh, fair launch. Um, the tokens are mined exactly like the the Bitcoin tokens are mined with every block. But instead of um, the blocks producing blocks for money, they're producing essentially blocks for AI infrastructure. And you know, you could have said that you, you, when you look at, at Bitcoin back then, you could have said, look, there's no product market fit. Who's ever going to use decentralized money? It's too slow. It's not going to work. And then you fast forward a couple of years and all of a sudden you realize that you actually really, really, really need it. And so I think that you kind of got to look forward and say, we've learned a couple of lessons here. We've learned that um, non-VC coins are probably more fair than VC coins. Um, you know, centralized coins aren't exactly a, a good place to be. Proof of work is potentially a little bit better than, than proof of stake when you're looking for fairness and security. You know, we can go on with a list of things, but if you take all those things together and then you say, okay, how do I think this plays out in different industries other than money? One of the industries that it really does maybe play out in is, is AI. Because AI essentially is you know, something that's very, very, very valuable um, that shouldn't be in the control of, of centralized uh, players with agendas. Or, I mean, already, if you look at ChatGPT, the, the, the answers are, are um, uh, uh, refined, you, you know, you could say that the answers are controlled and refined to fit a certain narrative, right? Like, uh, and I think that we, we've got to look back. We've, we've got to look back and, and, and realize that, that money is as important as this and that the same pattern can happen with, with, with AI as it happens to money. Now, I, I really want to hear the flip side of this because I've made a, an investment based on this conviction. And I'm, I want to hear the counter argument to this, if anyone does have a counter argument, because that is how I evaluate whether or not I've made a good decision. Obviously, when I'm excited about something and I've evaluated something and I go into it, um, for me, that is, uh, that, that I, I like to hear the other side. I like to hear something that invalidates my thesis. I can invalidate your thesis. So Go for it. So um, when you build a model, you first have to decide which model. So someone's deciding which model. You have to aggregate the data to train the model. You have to spend millions of dollars to acquire the infrastructure to train the model. You have to spend millions of dollars to then train the model. So spend the, the, the basically the, the computation to build it, right? So millions of dollars there. And then you have to store the model, which is gigabytes of data in, in somewhere. And then you have to retrieve that model every time you want to use the model. So you have to transfer gigabytes of data Every time someone wants to use it, you have to centrally locate it somewhere so people can ping it together, right? So and then you're going to have people updating that model, which is going to further train the model and make it so it's not obsolete. So someone's going to decide when to train the model, what data to do it again, do it all over again, right? So <laughs> there's no reason for a token to do this for you when there's people doing it right now. There's people creating lighter weight models, cheaper models, faster models in the open source economy, in the open source world without a need for a token. So... I just don't understand how a token validates or makes this up. They have one, so they have one token which powers the entire ecosystem of, of, of nets and subnets, which means that every single holder of the token and every single participant in the network is, is uh, incentivized 
to make sure that the network is right. Um, but you're saying it, you, have, is, you have GPT four, soon GPT five, GPT ten, whatever. These people, none of these people had a token. They did it, and there's people out there open sourcing their versions of everything without a need for a token. They're doing it, and then GPT four, it's the number one, the leader. It's fa- it's fallen over more times because of the de- literal demand. And thanks to Azure and the Microsoft partnership, they've been able to upkeep and continue to move that. Why you believe that there's going to be this individual incentive and this individual Band-Aid solution that's going to outperform these solutions? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, fair point. Uh, although I do think it's very early days, and I think the industry has a long way to go. And I think we, we, you've got to get in at the starting point and, and you know trust that the product's not going to be perfect uh, when it's ran. Yeah, go go ahead. Uh, is that lawyer? Yeah, yeah. So, so, yes, Tom. Tom, uh, and, uh, Tom I've, uh, yeah, and, and afterwards, Tom, I, I, if you don't mind, I, want, I do want to go to Peter and Peter and uh, Scott and others kind of get an update as well. It's been a, remember last week we skipped a few days and weekend we didn't do a space. So maybe good to get an update for the last few days and where the market is today. Uh, but Tom, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Really, really briefly, I would just say the advantage is that those are all individual silos, right? This is, you know, you could say open source, but there's a monetary incentive for it to be open source through the token model. And that incentivizes the best models rather than just saying open AI, you go off in your own silo and, you know, build the the best model for whatever use case you're looking for. So that's, that's the feedback I have there. Adding to this before we get into the market. I think we've covered it. I think it was. Yeah. Uh, Can yeah. I just yeah make it's got point. Uh, depends. Scott is Maddie allowed yeah, to make? He has a he has a frog frog PFP. Are you sure you want him to make a point? Yeah. Well, a fry, I don't Bit, see a frog. Bitcoin. His face. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Scott. Um, Bitcoin is freedom, and it enables freedom. And I do believe that as far as AI is concerned, once uh, AI has access to Bitcoin, it will enable AI to become free of humans as well. Hector, didn't you? Hector, go ahead crush him <laughs> uh yeah freedom yeah if you actually consider that to be freedom you want to go the bitcoin route then we can say that there's a max of six hundred thousand people who can use it every day um so in the rich in the it's going to be the elites using it not everyone else if you just took the idea of the the average working american which is 150 million people and they did one thing which was to, to hodl and use bitcoin to do that hodling that's three years of transactions in one pay period you do that by 12, that's now 30, that's what, 30 years of transactions for just the American population workforce to do one thing, which is HODL. So this idea of freedom money is really, really uh, broken, if you think that's what it is. No, I think you, you misunderstood me. So basically, um, an AI cannot open a bank account because it doesn't have a passport. Bitcoin or, or altcoins or whatever other currency you think, but... Um, it can open a crypto wallet very easy without identification. And I think that that's going to enable it to break the shackles of its uh, human masters. Right. But I just told you, like, if the richest 600,000 people are using it every day, you can't open, close, do anything else. Like right now we're seeing forced closed transaction, forced closed lightning channels because people are unable to keep up with, with topping up their lightning channels or being able to do what they want because the, the transaction rates are so high right now when nobody's using it. So, it's only going to be exacerbated worse. You're going to good luck trying to fund a $5 AI account with your wallet. Yeah, you didn't understand me. I, I'm not advocating lightning or, or Bitcoin specifically, but uh, any sort of cryptocurrency, um, you know, you're talking about scaling issues right now. I don't think that's extremely relevant to what I was saying. 
I just believe you need to have scale, uh, like to the what he was saying. You, you need to scale whatever it's going to uh, use, any crypto. Actually, Hector, Hector, since you're here, it's been a long time we haven't had you. Where do you stand on the market now? Is the, is the bear market over? Has the bull market started? I don't think I've ever asked you this question, even though you've been on our space for uh, even before Crypto Town Hall. So where do you stand on this? Are you, you going to be pessimistic as usual, or you're a bit more optimistic today? <laughs> uh, I find it very interesting that um, we, see a, we see a run. Um, the run seems to be very fueled by questionable um, markets in the sense of like we see a really large inflow of quote-unquote tethers, still no validation of whether or not tethers real. See the FDUSD, which is turning over its volume very, very quickly. We see roughly sometimes three or four times its entire supply being turned over in a day. Um, I don't know, just interesting markers. I don't, I don't think that there's actual organic increase coming in, but I could be wrong. Scott, till you're online, I'll go to... Yeah, I'm here. No, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I said, what do you think? And then we'll go okay. to Peter and Peter. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you know where I stand. Bull market until proven otherwise. You know, I think the bottom was relatively obvious when FTX happened, or at least uh, that felt like capitulation. I know people still say that we need to uh, capitulate. It seems like they uh, have forgotten what happened last year. Um, and really, once, you know, technically for me, once it crossed 25,000, the market made a new higher high on the way down from 69. That was really the sort of confirmation I needed. And now, you know, if you look at charts, you've got a bunch of higher highs and higher lows. So you don't really need to overcomplicate things. Uh, for now, it just seems that we have quite a few bullish narratives, legacy markets, even though uh, there's a lot of doom and gloom red flags seem to continue to rip. And so for the moment, uh, I think you just have to take it at face value and, and enjoy the ride while you can. Give us a bit of an update before we go to Peter. And Peter, uh, just on, on the market over the last few days, and how important is it that open interest on an exchange on, on Deribit uh, is at a record high? It's at 15 billion, back down to about 14, which is higher Rand's than what it was. Rand's been following the market a lot closer to me. As I said, I managed uh, to go through 100% on my uh, cell phone in I five years. I forgot. I forgot. Let me run you through what you, you mentioned, that the, options, that the options volume has increased. Um, one of the interesting things is that if you look at the Binance, perpetual the main perpetual in crypto which is the btc usdt perpetual on binance which is i mean again every exchange is different but i use binance as the key the open interest in terms of the open interest here shows um how many how much leverage people are taking out and that's usually a measure of like crypto people because you know we've been trading crypto on crypto exchanges for a long time the the leverage is actually a very, very, very low levels. And, you know, if I, if I tell you when the last time we had such low levels of leverage was actually 18th of June, 17th of June, 2022. That's how low the leverage is uh, on Bitcoin, on specifically that USD perpetual. At the same time, what you've got is you've got options um, going through the roof. So what that tells you that the, the type of trader that is trading this market is a much more sophisticated trader. It could be um, uh, uh, funds, non-crypto funds, because I think all the crypto funds pretty much use native, um, they use native crypto applications to execute their trades. I think when you look at Deribit and you look at CME, those two tell you, you know, they, they, they tell you the behavior of a different kind of, of trader. So it could mean that in the absence of an ETF, you've got all these, option, these, these uh, options traders trading the market. 
It could tell you that the market is hedging against what happens if an ETF gets gets launched, or gets approved, and doesn't get approved. So all of those things. Um, but it's a, what we are seeing for sure is that it's a very, very, very different type of trader to the one that we're normally used to. Yeah, that aligns also with the fact that CME open interest has surpassed that of finance, right? Uh, you, I mean, it's pretty obvious that uh, institutional involvement is dramatically increasing. I mean, when you see that, that to me was astounding. I know that it's kind of two ships passing in the wind, the marginalization of Binance and seeing them decrease as the attacks increase on them. But seeing CME rise that fast, that's not just, uh, that's not just a bunch of retail guys who are used to trading perpetual swaps. I think that confirms exactly what Rand is saying here. Should we talk? Uh, continue talking yeah, markets. Uh, yeah. 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 Peter. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Peter Bryan. Peter Cheer. I'd love your thoughts on this. I appreciate you being patient with us, and maybe kind of touching on the on the macro market as well. It's been a while. We haven't given an update. So how are things looking? I'm even. I've been offline as well because of the flights. So I haven't looked at the markets at all. Not that I usually do because I hate it. But uh, go ahead, Peter. Yeah. I mean, all my signals remain up. I mean, we're in a bull market. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be freaked out by short term stuff. I'm looking at longer term stuff. I, I don't believe the market's moonshots from here. I mean, I think we, we back and fill and we chop our way higher. Our model does not see a new all-time high in Bitcoin until August of 24. And so, you know, steadily higher until then. But you, you, you look at the charts and there's an awful lot of supply that was created between December of 20. Uh, in May of 22, and that's, I think, what is holding the market back from just uh, screaming from here. And so we'll chop our way through the supply that exists from you know, that big double top on the weekly chart. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see Bitcoin back below 27,000, uh, but, you know, we're 27,000 to 60 until August of 24, and then we scream. Stand on this. I didn't hear you. Uh, you got to ask. Yeah. Uh, ask Peter. Peter Cheer. Don't complain about the sauna, please. Peter Cheer, can you hear me? Mister Cheer. Ah, uh, it's not. It's not working. Um, yeah, it's, it's had mic issues in the past. Go ahead, Peter. Uh, hey, can you now hear me now? Here. Yeah, we can hear yes. you now. Go ahead, man. Perfect. Um, you know, I think one thing I want to get back to when we were talking about Argentina. That's very interesting to me is they are actually big users of the WAN. They have huge WAN surplus. A bunch of their companies have been talking to U.S. companies about doing things in WAN. So I think they're going to dollarize. I think Bitcoin becomes a little bit more interesting. I think they're also going to adopt the WAN a little bit more. I don't know where that leads us to whether digital WAN, et cetera. But I think that's going to come up in conversations as this election plays out. Um, to me, the big thing is kind of the softening of tone with China. Listen, I think it's going to be the wrong decision. We're going to kind of be weak with this. But with everything going on in the Middle East, everything going on with Russia, Ukraine, election heading in, we are so weak on oil and energy and supply chains right now. Look what we did with Venezuela, right? We told Venezuela, hey, we want your oil, but you have to have free elections. Their Supreme Court said we can't do free elections, but we're still trying to buy oil. Iran puts 3.2 to 3.4 million of barrels of oil a day on the market. That's one of the reasons we're not willing to say Iran's behind any of this. We want Iran to keep selling oil. So I think we're going to capitulate a little bit into something for China. That's going to be fairly positive for markets. I think probably bad for us as humans longer term, but short term, it'll be good for markets. It will feed into some of the other stuff where you're starting to see. Can you, sorry, Peter, 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 can you, can you, can you, can you elaborate? What do you mean capitulate for something for China? Can you elaborate on that? 
So, you know, I think we're going to back off a little bit on tariffs. We're probably going to really try and redefine on the chip side what is a no-go and what might be allowed. There's a lot of lobbying pressures. You probably can guess from NVIDIA's of those companies to say, hey, we're fine restricting super high quality military AI grade chips, but we don't want to go below that, right? We need to be able to sell reasonable chips to China if we're going to make money, if we're going to fund these boundaries. So I think they're seeing a lot of pressure from their own economists to reduce tariffs. They're under pressure from some of the tech companies to be very careful on what we're restricting or not. And ultimately, I think they just don't want China wagging the sword anymore with everything that's going on between Russia and Ukraine, where we're already losing some support. The Middle East, where it's unclear what support we ha- the U.S. has for intervening or helping there. So I think they want to do something to calm Xi down, create some better supply chain narratives into the election year, right? Everything right now is about the elections. Otherwise, we would have refilled the SPR, which we did not do. So I'm looking for some sort of positive noise in terms of trade, in terms of tariffs, in terms of what we're sanctioning from China to you know, propel markets into year end. Cool. So generally, if I want to put all this together, because of the elections, because of all the steps being taken, um, it's more bullish for risk assets, it's more bullish for the global economy, um, less bullish for the US long term. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's very fair. And I think you'll start seeing renewed talk about M&A activity because we're finally, and maybe IPO activity, we're finally at that stage where prices have come up a little bit, but have been stable. So buyers can, I think, afford to bid up and sellers realize valuations are not going back to where they were. So I think you see a few more sellers come in to look at this. I I think it's a... um, going to be kind of this positive seasonality, which you know, generally I hate seasonality. I hate all the crap. I think the U.S. economy is slowing. Um, the one thing I look at, to me, the same thing that happened in autos, where all of a sudden the emails you get from auto companies switch from, we want your used car to, hey, give us your used car, we'll sell you a new car, to now, hey, we've got deals on new cars. Maybe not if you're buying a Ford Bronco, but other types of cars. You're seeing that now across the board on very high quality brands that normally only offer sales on the crap that didn't sell, they're starting to offer store-wide sales. So I think you're seeing slowness in the real economy. You've seen the unemployment rate as a nation tick up from 3.4% to 3.9%. That 50 bips is kind of meaningful. So I think you're going to start seeing renewed recession talk. But before we get there, we're going to get this whole soft landing euphoria again. And the other thing that I think has been important to crypto that I don't think you guys have mentioned quite enough is I think something has snapped in the markets where treasuries are no longer viewed as quite as safe as they were. Yes, they're still safe. Yes, no one's really worried about them not getting repaid. But there's something in people's minds. So I think people are starting to say, I am going to underweight treasuries in my safe allocation. Some of that's going to go to corporate bonds. Some of it may find its way to equities. There's certainly a lot of discussions about who is safer, the U.S. Treasury as an issuer or a company like a Microsoft or a Apple who has cash on hand, corporate governance, every intention to pay their debt. And I think that has also played into Bitcoin. I think people are saying with this lack of faith, the slightly reduced you know, safeness of treasuries, and the way I've been trying to explain it, it's going to sound a bit idiotic, but it's, you know, there's varying degrees of infinity. There's varying degrees of safeness. So it's still safe, but it's not quite the order of magnitude of safeness as people once thought. So I think that's been a big beneficiary to crypto, that people who six months ago would have ignored crypto might now considering putting in a half percent or 1% of their allocation mostly because this loss of faith in where the U.S. fiscal policy is headed and what it means for treasuries and the seemingly willingness to willy-nilly say we'll pay our debt on time or not. 
Any final thoughts on the market and, and what Peter said? It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Yeah, it. Both both Peters, Ren and Wolf all alluded to this. But basically what's happening is that um, people uh, very sophisticated, very deep pockets are getting into Bitcoin right now. And the way that they stack their orders generally, they're not using the perpetual swaps. They're not using leverage. Uh, they do a very simple um that they do a very simple order where they just do a, an entry order right below the current price. And that way what they're doing is they're backstopping it from going down and letting everybody else take it higher. Because if you've got a several billion dollars that you want to allocate, you're very concerned that every time you make a buy order, um, you're going to, you're going to raise the price for yourself on your next order. Uh, so that's why they, they do it this way. And I believe that this is, um, this is why I believe that. Yeah. One quick question, and, and, and not sure if anyone can answer this, but how are the volumes looking? Again, I'm not looking at the markets at all. Have, have the volumes started picking up? I know they did a couple of weeks ago. Are we still seeing that upward trend with volume or not really? Is it still a very thin market? Anyone? Just jump in, Peter, or anyone else. Yeah, cool. yeah th this Peter. Yeah, you know, just looking at the way Bitcoin is traded here, uh, it, it it is going up on bids, and that is a really healthy market. And so you have people that are constantly coming in, and they're putting bids in the market. They're rather than bidding up the market, they're just they're just taking any offers that come in. And so what you're seeing is the offers come in, the offers get taken. But the, the buyers are not aggressive, which in my mind is keeping the volume low, but also represents extremely healthy uh, price behavior. Yeah, and I would toss in that what I'm seeing is in the last week, you've seen the equal weighted indices outperform the regular indices. So people are moving away from the Magnificent Seven. So I think that's a little bit more breadth. You're seeing the Russell 2000 perform very well. And I think even ARC all of a sudden is now outperforming the NASDAQ. And you're kind of getting ARC acting like a high beta stock again, right? ARC has done reasonably well this year, but it's kind of been more and less in line with NASDAQ, which to me is underperforming, right? You would expect that to be high beta. So I think as that's coming, those were all things that coincide, at least in the past, with crypto doing very well. Mm. Cool. I think it's a good, good wrap there. I appreciate it, Peter. Scott, Ryan, anything else to add, guys? No, see everyone tomorrow. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye, everyone.